You're listening to The Real Witches of the End Times, transmissions straight from the underworld. Doom witches, blood wizards, underworld accountants, and cloud people. Welcome back to the Real Witches of the End Times podcast. I'm your host, Mana Aelin. Dara Mason is back. I think this is the fourth time. I hope you all know him by now or have listened to Spirit Box, but we always have a fun time. Our podcasts were born on the same day, even though we didn't know each other. And here we are. Hello, Mana. It's lovely to be back on the show. Really nice to be here. Yeah, I'm always glad to talk to you. We chat quite a bit uh, online as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's been two years for both of us now of podcasting. How do you feel about that? I know. I just, um, I'm going to release episode 91 tomorrow, which is bonkers. Just kind of like, how did that happen? How <laughs> how, how, how have we recorded that much? It's great. Do you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm just really thrilled that people... Uh, listen and, and enjoy the show and get something from it and i get to talk to really cool people like yourself you know i think that that's really it yeah that's basically how i feel as well my main motivations and reasoning have not really changed mm. since the beginning of the podcast which is just talking to people that i want to talk to yeah. and i think i say this all the time but having a podcast is a great excuse to to connect with folks that you probably would never be able to otherwise <laughs> totally oh absolutely it, it really is and um you know, you get to have kind of one-on-one conversations with really interesting people who've got interesting stories and knowledge to share. And um, podcast has been a, a great, as you say, a kind of a great way to access that, which is which is awesome. I mean, like it's it, you know, it's it's a lot of work. It takes time and all that. If anyone's thinking of taking it up, you know, there's a lot of burnout. I think with different podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've talked about this before in terms of like the hours that go into creating everything but it's a great creative outlet you know I I found it a really lovely way to kind of disconnect from life's kind of rigmaroles and um and I learned that so much learned so much over the last two years really interesting yeah I feel quite similarly and I think and this is something that I haven't really thought about until right now but being able to talk to someone one-on-one for the amount of times that I have now, like when I was doing Patreon. So that's a lot of episodes there. And then in addition to the regular show and then being guests on other people's shows, it's allowed me to really process thoughts around magic and philosophy that I don't think I would really sit down and vocalize otherwise. So there's like hundreds and hundreds of hours of of critical thinking uh, for fun. <laughs> I, I know exactly what you mean. It gives you that space to sit down and consider, you know, why you're in, why you're in this, this frame of thinking, why you're, um, or, or why you're flummoxed by the experiences you've had and then start to unpack them in a way because of the conversations you're having, because of the, the input and insights and context that the various people we speak to give us, it does give us a whole different array of angles to look at our experiences from you know it it gets us out of our own heads if that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah definitely does and i think too it's funny because i've known you for about 
a year and no. Oh my gosh. Wait. Yeah. Math is so hard. It's been about almost a year and a half, I think. I think. About a year and a half, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and both of us have gone through a lot of like practice changes and just realizing like what's truly important to us, I think in reflection of what's happening globally and then Mm -hmm. just the the nature of a spiritual evolution through experience and things like that. So, um, I'm, I'm loving just the emphasis on gardening that you've really (laughs) leaned into this whole time. I'm, I'm quite jealous actually. I don't have a yard right now and I I miss it. My uh, my greenhouse is looking pretty damn fine at the moment, if I say so myself. Yeah, one of the things that's come from the show is, you know, a, a different context for what I've been doing in the garden, um, which I've been kind of instinctively doing in terms of what I really call stewardship. You know, mm-hmm. when I've heard other other kind of magicians or or uh, people in this area call it uh, being in in good in right relation, and I think that's definitely something that is come to the fore for me it, it really has um particularly over lockdown because this has been my space this kind of this has been the area that i've been unable to leave <laughs> <laughs> um but understanding the cycle of things becoming very close to it having frankly spiritual experiences in, in the garden i think we spoke about it the last time i was on um but equally what it's what's happening now is that's something that I, i'm really keen to share and, and something on my patreon that I, I talk about a lot and encourage people to you know grow a few herbs like uh, if you know if you don't have a garden get a window box and you know just grow some chives grow some easy stuff and just make that addition to your to your palate of something that you've had a relationship with and it, you know it may not for everybody but it will build into something different you know, I started growing like some random tomatoes five years ago. Now I have about 26 pumpkins growing in the back garden. Wow. Same amount of chili plants. Just just a whole array of, of, of vegetables ready for this season. I would say about 50% of my food comes from the garden. You know, I've got chickens and I don't have a particularly big space. Um, and now I've got a beehive in there. So it's it's shifted me it's shifted me away from i guess modern convenience to more having more of a relationship with the landscape and sustaining each other you know and i i think i you know i get very kind of cerebral and philosophical about essentially growing vegetables but that's what it does to me you know you know i'm sure there's a lot more experienced gardeners going what are you talking about <laughs> But um, that's that's what it does for me, and it's it's been a real it's a real tonic for a lot of things because I'm I'm just I'm busy. I have a, I have a lot of I have a lot of jobs to do to keep everything moving, you know, for the type of lifestyle that this has kind of pushed me towards. Um, like on top of what I do for a living, that's a it's quite a big thing to keep that going. It's like little and often constant work and it all it just it it kind of stops me wasting my time in in other areas where that are not fruitful mm-hmm. you know i think that's the other thing i'm very conscious of where i spend my time is this fruitful it, is it you know where i put my time and my energy is it giving me something useful you know and i think that's 
a really important thing that maybe I think a lot of people are catching on to it now that they're kind of seeing that a lot of where they spend their time is just simply distractions. Mm -hmm. That's a really important thing. Sometimes people say to me, you know, you do a hell of a lot of things. How do you do it all? And I'm just, I'm just considered where I spend my time. And if I'm honest, I think I'm fairly slack on a lot of things, but I don't spend my time constantly in in channels or, or areas that I, I don't feel are nourishing or beneficial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely hear what you're saying. And I had the honor of being present when you deleted Twitter. Twi- Twitter? Twitter. <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, just deleted it. And I was like, wow, I am impressed that you're just yeah. like, all right, bye-bye. Yeah, that's yeah. something that I am. I was genuinely, I'm, I am genuinely inspired by your, maybe devotion isn't the right word, but just genuine belief and support and want to spend your time doing all of these things that you want to do. Because you, you said, people ask, how do you find the time to do it? And then in my head, I was like, well, those are just the things that Dara does, the things that Dara needs and wants to do. That's it. You have developed um, a, a good, I think, filtration system for the the channels that you were speaking about. And this brings up to like this whole theme. I, I think it's funny. Like I, I haven't been very invested in gardening mm. uh, lately, and just for you know life reasons and my current living situation. But mindfulness has specifically come up a lot like the past right. couple of weeks and specifically yesterday like i i sat through a a zen teachings meditation that was guided and we were talking about um just just i don't know to be led through that again and when i lived in england i used to go and uh, there was a chaplaincy that right. had a buddhist nun there and she would lead meditations every week for an hour in the space and I would go like almost the whole time that I lived there and it was really important to me and that was part of like my meditation practice and I had a very strong meditation practice for a long time but I really fell out of it uh to the extent that I was in pretty much when the pandemic began and I've been finding my way back to that and realizing like how important that's been and how even just yesterday like I sat for an hour and then my entire rest of my evening was like i just want to read a book i just want to spend time cleaning my space and i was not anxious or anything and Mm -hmm. i was like it's so funny how i knew that this would be so helpful for me and yet i still didn't do it it's a weird thing isn't it that barrier to stuff you know um because i part of the other stuff that i've been looking at is i've just been getting back into the gym and and lifting weights uh, as well and having a kind of a, a, a sedentary life that most people have really you know by the nature of of you know if you work in marketing or advertising or any of those kind of areas you spend most of your time looking at screens you know we they're, they're, they're anxiety generating jobs because invariably you're trying to, to, to finish things that are extremely difficult to finish in the time frame mm-hmm. allowed but you're constantly just sitting down having kind of like a, a strong emotional reaction to trying to get stuff done. There's like a real kind of, you know, cortisol, cortisol cycles, you know, stress achievement, exhilaration, you know, dump, 
and then all that kind of stuff going on around on and on all the time but you're not using your physical body and some people are really great uh, at balancing that out and kind of make the time in their life i was terrible at it and i was joking with some colleagues saying you know i'm, I'm back at the gym after a, uh, a little bit of time out they're like, well, well, how long are you out? Like, I have maybe six, seven years. Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, yeah, quite probably more than a little, close to a decade, close to a decade. And um, that's been lovely. It's just been really nice to kind of feel, be in your body in a way that you can feel its potential more. Do you become more aware of, of what it can do? You know, after you, it starts to respond to what you you you're you're doing in in your in your exercise practice. And I have an awful long way to go to 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 get to an area that I'm I'm focused on, but it already feels great. And it's exactly what you were saying about the meditation practice. It's like I I really enjoy this once I do it, but what is my psychological barrier that prevents me from going there? And 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 doing what I enjoy and that is beneficial to me. I find that strange about what those barriers are. And I, I have kind of a number of thoughts on it, but, you know, one of them is kind of along the idea of like, there are many selves, you know, and when you change significantly, you know, so if you go into that uh, a particular practice, doing something you want to do, be it meditation, be it uh, a, a fitness ambition, whatever it might be, the old person, the person you are now, it kind of dies. You become a different person. And I think there's a tension there. You know, there's a tension between who you are currently and who you have the potential to be. And um, yeah, I think I think that's a struggle that we all have in, in, in some shape or form. And I don't think it's ever something that fully comes to completion because I don't think we're ever the complete article. I think it's... It's a, a constant source of personal evolution and and development. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that's really what a lot of life is about. You know, you, you hear all the time about people who achieve their goals and go into a terrible depression because they don't know what else to do now. You know, that was everything for them. And then they achieve it and they kind of flatline. We have to constantly be looking further. What's the, what's the next thing we want to do? What's the next experience? The thing that I think about and how I separate them from being, say, you know, that kind of like side hustle, pushing yourself super far to get a thing or achieve a thing. I think very carefully about what that thing is and what it will give me. Because I've been sucked into cons quite a lot, you know, and, and I don't mean that in a, on a kind of a, a one-to-one basis. I mean kind of societal cons. Mm-hmm. When we think about, oh, if I do this, do what I'm supposed to do, get good grades, go to uni, and I get that job, and it's all about the income and the job, and maybe the view of your colleagues or your peers have of you because you have a job, you have a house, you have a car, and, and you know all that kind of, all the trappings and, and kind of definitions of what success looks like. Most people I know who who've achieved those things are in quiet desperation because they have no other fulfillment. So mm. it's 
I, I think it's a really important consideration to look at stuff and go, what, again, same thing around discernment with where you spend your time. What does this give me? What, how do I feel when I'm doing this? I'm being really conscious of that. And if you can get that right and listen to your body and get sensitive enough, enough to hear it, I think you'd be okay, you know. I don't mean you individually, I mean everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the concept of having time is really interesting to me too because that's a phrase that I'll say quite frequently to myself or other people or I'll hear it from other people of like, right. oh, I don't really have time for this right now. I don't have time or the space. And those things are like, they're true in a way, but also right. I think about them in relationships a lot because there's times when I've been in a relationship and I feel like, wow, I don't really have like time for this. I don't have time mm-hmm. for that. And then it's like, oh, like when you're with a person that like you have like an extra sense of care for and you genuinely want to be around them, suddenly right. you do have the time. Yes. You know, like yeah. suddenly you're setting aside all of the distractions because it's as though subconsciously, you know, I don't need to do this right now. Yeah. Um, and I feel the same way when it comes to interests and health things and things like that. And it's not always easy. And it's, I mean, I, like I've said with meditation or specifically like Zen meditation, like it's not something that is a habit for me right now anymore, even though it at one point was, mm-hmm. but you do have the time for things that you decide are important and yeah. you just it just appears that way and maybe some people will have some resistance to what i'm saying but i honestly do not believe that it's possible to have no time if there's something you really want to do maybe there's other things in the way like resources availability financial access but i mean if it's something like if you really want to learn to meditate and it takes five minutes you have that exactly exactly i agree with you completely Uh, i have uh a garden that's will be full of food in four months time you know um i either want to help make that happen or don't you know that's from buying seeds right through to curating the plants all the way through into their to the various stages it takes time and effort i barely notice it i barely notice the time and effort because it's completely second nature to me i take five minute breaks every hour to go out and tend to my little green flock <laughs> but it's but it gives me again like it's it's an exchange beyond the actual kind of nutrition exchange it is an exchange in terms of that how it grounds me how it gets me away from screens you know um which is just i you know physically good for one's eyes if you're you know if you're looking at them all the time like i am just very calming that that is that when I'm in that moment of kind of like mental silence, which is what you know, wonderful. <laughs> um, you make the time for what you want to do, and then eventually it just becomes second nature. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed a difference in the way the food tastes since you've had such a amount of time with your garden now? Oh yeah, off totally. of the store. They, there's a couple of things it's interesting when i first got the chickens we've had chickens now just over a year and when we first got the chickens and then kind of went out and got our eggs for the first time and then i had my like very first egg from my own chickens and i was a bit squeamish about it 
you know, I was a bit like, oh, wow, okay, all right, Jesus. Um, this is um, straight from source, you know, it's still warm. And <laughs> and I, I, w- I was kind of thinking about that reaction and going, am I that domesticated? <laughs> 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 that I'm freaked out by an egg coming straight from a chicken as opposed to a packet with a picture of a chicken on it. And and I kind of, and I realized I absolutely was, you know, um, and that changed very quickly. And now I'm totally, you know, I, I don't even really think about it now, you know, mm-hmm. not having chickens would be weird. So there's that kind of moment of realizing exactly where your food comes from, which is, it, we're, we're totally trained to see the reverse. Everything is sanitized that we, we and easy, right, to get. Um, the difference in having your first meal from stuff that you've created and grown yourself is it wasn't easy to do. It was hard to do. And it does taste better. Like a carrot from my garden versus a carrot from a regular carrot from a regular store. They, they don't taste the same. And I can experience freshness and nutrition and I'm really lucky to say that I'm like not trying to dislocate my arm, slapping myself on the back here. Like, but I understand the value of that, and I do value it. I don't, you know, I don't take it cheaply because I worked really hard for it. It does taste different. There's no doubt about it. Uh, there's also a greater variety, and um, and it's a huge amount of fun to do. It's very therapeutic to do. It's very calming to do. You will end up hearing voices in the garden as an aside. I think I've mentioned that. <laughs> you have. <laughs> you'll start. Uh, you'll start um, seeing nature spirits in your garden. That kind of stuff. You know. Um, can't promise that, but certainly, yeah, certainly is for me. And um, it's just been an absolutely beneficial, wonderful thing. You know, and 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 I honestly, that's that's why I kind of, I kind of, I think I. I'm such an advocate for it because it's just given me so much that I just want, I'd love for, other, you know, if it's possible for other people to, to get as much fun and joy and um, just calmness, then as, as I have, I, I would just celebrate that all the time and hope people do get that. Mm-hmm. And it's, but it has changed my spiritual beliefs. Like it, it I, like I, when the last time I was on your show, I spoke about pretty much how the co-creation is part of it. I'm much more aware of the plants in my vicinity. You know, when I was walking in the garden today, like uh, I saw a dandelion poke up and my instant thought was, oh, welcome back. Oh, and um, just being like you're you see the identity and personality of plants and animals a lot more. You know, you notice the behavior like uh, I notice birds behavior a lot more. You can tell a little bit more seasonally, you know, who's in the area and who's not, and the time of day. You, know, you get the flyover in in just the, at dawn and at dusk when the birds get very excitable, and you you'll notice that behavior even in chickens as well. So it's it's becoming very very aware and sensitive to your surroundings, really, um, by spending that much time there, and uh, and also kind of experiencing uh, night in a, in a different way. If you often, I'd be out in the garden at night, um, just checking that things are where they need to be, and you really get a sense of what it must have been like when there was no electronic light. You know, what it must have been like, kind of traveling in in rural areas in absolute pitch darkness, and um, 
you get that feeling again of um you know you're 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 not alone that's definitely been a thing that's that's happened i got that sense of something else is out there observing me <laughs> not in a hostile way but certainly in a curious way i mean we've spoken a lot about kind of like this excitement around growing your own food and this relationship with spirits of plants and things like that i'm actually just really curious are there any foods that you've grown that you've realized wow i really hate this food i can't eat this <laughs> <laughs> like my, my family is always like that with uh they grow so many tomatoes every year and i'm like i can't i don't i don't care if it's homegrown or not i'm just not a tomato person yeah yeah <laughs> kale <laughs> it's, it's appalling and um it, it really likes my soil you know it kind of it really likes the 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 mineral content the conditions in the garden like i can grow forests of the stuff and i think it's absolutely rancid i just i can't get on with it i tried making kale chips it's just like oh god it's just dried crispy rank rankness <laughs> have you tried growing collard greens instead i'm not even sure what collard greens are okay maybe that, i don't i don't know climate wise how that would yeah. do where you're at because i have to keep reminding myself that you live in the uk not where i'm at um, I, I, this makes you feel any better about your, your kale disgust. It's actually one of those vegetables or leafy greens that is really popularized. But if you eat it in like a mass amount of quantity, it's actually like really not good for you. Really? Okay. I've been eating a lot of nettles lately. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Um, cause it's just, they're just coming out now and lots of young plants and, um, just I think I saw that on your story. Yeah, sautéing them with garlic. Uh, it's yeah. really, really nice. Garlic and butter. Or just adding them to, like, I make these, like, poor man's ramen bowls and um, chuck nettles into them. And, yeah, it's nice. Mm. And they're, they're, it's, it's like a lovely spinach, but without the kind of, you know, the way spinach can have that kind of really kind of metallic taste to it sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have that at all. It's really nice. Yeah, really nice. Did the nettles, did you plant those or did they show up on their own? They're just in the, the field by my house. Oh, wonderful. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask that too. I was curious if there's any plants that have decided they're a part of your garden now that you did not put there. I had a massive cosmos flower come into my garden last year. It's huge, huge, big bush of these lovely, lovely pink flowers, and the bees going mental for them. And I have no idea where that came from. <laughs> but I just, just want to be part there. of the party. Yeah, totally. And it's and it's a, it's so cool. Like people call it like volunteer plants. As well, it's like the, the seeds that kind of say didn't break down in your compost. You just, I just have like tomatoes randomly growing in my garden, you know, pumpkins just randomly growing in the garden, and that's really cool. That's really fun. Even if you don't have a like a garden per se, there's there's certainly different areas you can look at. You know, there's there's like um like city farms and co-ops and allotments mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And I think really kind of going into, you know, th this year is going to be a well. It is already, but it's it's going to be a tough year for a lot of people. You know, the food shortages are a real thing. And I've been saying this for some time because I'm the type of nerd who looks at kind of like shipping news. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when you, when you turn into a farmer, Farmer Dara has got to know. This is it. This is it. And, um, and you know, you, you'd be part of, of, of groups like that, make the time. Um, not only are you getting into a, a space that is 
you know, away from distractions, uh, you're in a more of a, I mean, it's a curated natural environment, definitely. It's not wilderness, it's not wild. Uh, you're getting out there, you're, you've got your hands in the dirt, you know, and you're learning from people who are maybe a bit further ahead than, than we as individuals might be in, in terms of understanding what they're doing. But you got access to good organic food. And that's, that's, that's a cool thing. It's a valuable thing. That's a lot, that's a lot of what I've been doing. Um, other than that, I've been doing a kind of a lot of research into an area of exploration around, um, a particular entity that's, that's shown up in my life. I think we've, I think we've discussed this to some degree, I think in our chats, we've discussed it, but like I've been looking a lot more into, I, on, on Fardov and the, the dark man, mm-hmm. um, the father of witches and um and how he turns up in in people's lives which has been a very illuminating interesting thing have you found any correlation between that and and gardening per se a a lot of it is well if you look at kind of a lot of who the original cunning women were and cunning men you know they were all subsistence farmers Mm -hmm. they were all living a kind of fairly pastoral rural life you know i think it's important to to have a reflection on that because as much as I'm painting a picture of how peaceful it is for me, I'm not under any stress that the harvest would fail. Yeah. You know, that's an important distinction. You know, if my plants died, I'd be upset. I'm not going to die, you know, nor is my family going to starve. If we look at the people who were having, living in that manner almost 200 years ago or 150 years ago in, in Ireland, if the crop fails, you're you're in serious problems. You know, I mean, that's what happened. I mean, there was a number of conditions around it, but the Great Famine was caused in part by uh, the failure of the potato crop mm-hmm. three years in a row. Now, I wouldn't call it a famine per se because food was taken out of Ireland under armed guard under the British Army. So the crop that the peasants depended on failed there was food in the country so that's that's what essentially was happening there and that had cataclysmic effects you know so that that's a, an important distinction to make and and kind of be, before i kind of discuss the relation between kind of that pastoral life and 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 the dark man the, the father of witches and then like the father of witches was one of many types of initiating spirits that turned up to um, the the cunning folk, but he was quite prevalent and noticeably a reoccurring pattern. And interestingly enough, would turn up in hours of need when family members were on death's door with sickness, or indeed there was some sort of um, shortage of food, or people were about to be thrown out of their home because of poverty and they couldn't make the rent and whatnot. This is when a lot of this initiation happened under these periods of high stress. I mean, I personally think there's an aspect of a fairy man would, mm-hmm. would turn up and initiate a relationship um, with a, a, a cunning person. And if you look at, say, the mythology of Ireland, you have this concept um, in fairy stories of the, the gentry. So the kind of the the fairy nobility who and the description is is very 
it's very similar. The patterns occur again and again. A tall, handsome man with black clothing and black hair, you know, or indeed or a black horse. You know, he'd be a black rider in the night. Like the 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 themes of of the color come up again and again, and the behavior comes up again and again in the same in the same kind of stories around uh, and accounts around Britain and Ireland. And you will find the same themes of being uh, a shapeshifter, being able to take animal form, being quite mischievous and having quite a sinister but also hilarious sense of humor. And then to to some degree, certainly with kind of um, with the dark man, with, with, with female witches, a hint of, of a sexual relationship happening and the accounts of which were apparently physically this individual, the dark man, was extremely cold to the touch. But the, the, the same themes come up again and again, and it's, it's quite remarkable. In tomorrow's show on, on, on Spirit Box, it's an account of a lady called Jessica who saw a nine foot tall dark figure on Glastonbury Tor. Wow, I'm excited. Okay, that's, yeah, I'm listening yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> I've been there. What she said was remarkable, and, and I kind of looked at this afterwards because Glastonbury Tor is, has an association with Gwyn ap Nud, this mm-hmm. uh, Welsh mythological figure. So the, the king of the Tuatheg. I don't know how to pronounce it in the Welsh way. And so the name, it kind of means kind of like bright one or light one. Um, and he's described as a great warrior with a blackened face. You know, and I was like, holy shit. You know, because there's there's something I don't know what the connection is. I think the Dark Man is an avatar of essentially Lucifer. That that's what I I think. Um, I could be completely wrong at that. There's no need to get in my Instagram and give me abuse if you're listening. Um, but like the Gwyn Abnud is talking about kind of like a, the the light color, fair color, and then. We have the blackened face. So thematically, we have people trying to express and define those patterns that they're noticing and experiencing, but also struggling to understand. But they come down through mythology and and folklore. And I think one of the biggest challenges we have is we have a desperate need to separate folklore and mythology from history. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and actually story for me, has become one of the most important things. The telling of our stories, the telling of the stories of our ancestors, of our ancestors' triumphs and failures, you know, is part of your ancestor's spirit work. And recognizing those triumphs and failures is part of your own, you know, it's your legacy to your descendants. It's understanding story, the ones you're in, the ones you're observing, the ones you're hearing, has a significant influence on on you and on those around you if you choose to observe them and if you choose to take part. Now, what I think a lot more about now is some of the spirits that are engaging with us, some of them, what they're looking for is for their story to be told. And I think that is probably the case with this dark man because essentially he's written out of, of witchcraft folklore. But he's not written out. He's just not spoken about. You know, you you think about the the Morrigan or the host of kind of dark goddesses, 
who have books and books and books and books and books about them. You know, I can go on and buy a resin statue of Lilith on eBay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But the Dark Man has been a huge influence on a driving force of witchcraft initiation, a spontaneous initiation of witches across Britain and probably beyond in some other form. And yet there's very little about him. You know, Gemma Gary has has uh, a book discuss- discussing him, you know, and um, Andrew Chumbley talks to him in some regard. But it's a, it's a real area that is uh, ripe for exploration, which is something that I'm actively doing now. I'm kind of actively working on, on, a, on a piece about about him, mm-hmm. mainly because he's told me to. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's interesting, too, because the pretext under which we met, I essentially told you about how I met a dark man when mm. I was very sick. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and how my life's been really different since then. So yeah. it's quite interesting how I think even uh, friendship relationships or how you meet people tend to mirror the the influences that are on our lives as well. 100% agree. 100% agree. I, I definitely think that, that the spirits that are nudging us and pulling our strings are like, you two are going to chat about this and this is going to benefit me and X, Y, and Z. But so I'm going to put you guys together this way. You're going to get on really well as well. Away you go. You know, that's that. I think there's kind of a lot of that manipulation happens. Um, I mean, I could be going off the deep end a bit there, but that's where those synchronicities happen, though, you know? Mm-hmm. Like when you're having these conversations, you're both kind of going, you know, you're like it's like that Spider-Man meme, the three Spider-Man <laughs> pointing at each other. You know? Yeah. Well, you saw that too. <laughs> I mean, I was even reading a a book, just completely. It's not an intentionally occult book. It was a fantasy novel, and the the main gin in it was named Dara, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> It's like you're Dara and your name is spelled completely differently. But I was just like, yeah. what are the odds? Wow. That's uh, interesting as well, because like there are some areas where like people have kind of messed with me going, are you, um, you know, you know an awful lot about the gin, don't you? You're the gin guy, you know, and uh, occasionally that happens. And I'm like, I really don't. But thank you. You know, very <laughs> kind of say so, you know, it's interesting how you kind of get associated with certain things. I know I'm the fairy person. That's my <laughs> association. Although I have like really bad advice for people when they ask me what they should do to connect, and I'm like, I don't know. They they found me, so yeah. But this is it. This is like, how, how did you make this happen? It's like, I didn't make it happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's people out there who have like, and I know there is that have like great advice mm. on how to intentionally connect, but mm. I don't have yeah. it from my own gnosis. So <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Um. But but the the impact on me has been profound. I've had like very, very clear guardrails put in front of me, you know, of this is the path you're going down. Um, You know, when I when I talked earlier about discernment with where you spend your time, I'd like to claim that was entirely my own decision, but it it wasn't. You know, Mm -hmm. I had direct gnosis tell me that, you know, like very directly, very simply, you know, you're not doing that anymore. Get off it. You know, so there is a driving force there that isn't, you know, entirely me. 
but what it's doing is ensuring that my life changes to make sure there's time to do my job for it if that makes sense working in the garden and my closeness to to my environment has made me more sensitive to that communication so it it's you know it asks it raises a lot of questions to kind of you know who's running the show etc <laughs> you know. well i've really rethought my beliefs about free will hmm. this is a this is I just dropped a bomb of a conversation uh, yeah. by saying those two words. I because I, I see it online like people will talk about how they believe in free will or they don't, and then mm -hmm. I think a lot of the argument actually comes from people not having the same definition of yeah. free will. Uh, I think that is I would say probably like seventy percent of the conflict or debate yeah. is literally people just not actually being talking about the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, my understanding of free will is like you make decisions in a vacuum. Which to me doesn't make any sense. Right. The more that I have like an animist view of the world, if I accept astrology as true, that kind of, in my opinion, just kind of negates the existence of free will overall. Yeah. Yeah. You're making choices like within influence though. Like you're not, nothing anyone does is like, again, like the whole philosophy too of like, we're not even individually ourselves. We're the products of the people we surround ourselves, the environment, all of that. And while we're like sovereign beings in one way, like we're not, we don't exist in a vacuum. And I think that way too, when it comes to spiritual influence, because at times it can be, maybe we get too swept up in it, but then mm. it is also just kind of the nature of, of being yeah. at all. Like you can't pretend a river isn't there if you need to cross it. Like you, you decide to cross it. It's your decision to cross, but the way that you cross a river is what's available in front of you. What's the weather yeah. like? How's the mm -hmm. water? Um, what other people are in the way? Like, how are you feeling that day? How agile are you? That none of that is you doing whatever you want. Yeah. Um, so that's what I think too, is with spiritual influence. And I've kind of just surrendered to mm -hmm. knowing that, a lot of things that feel like they're my decisions. They mm -hmm. are my decisions, but they're not made in a vacuum. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I would um, subscribe to that. You know, I think our, our behavior is far more reactive than we think in general, you know, uh, rather than decision driven. It's responses and reactions, which is, again, a point of, of discernment for people. You know, mm -hmm. to think about kind of where they spend their time, what's it doing to them. Um, one of the things that I've I've um, really found interesting, though, the type of communication that I get can be quite funny. And I mentioned the kind of sense of humor thing. Um, and if you read through the folklore, you hear again and again about the kind of the, the fairy celebrating, you know, the 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 the, the festivals, the the great dances, all this kind of stuff. And um, even sport, there's loads, of, there's loads of stories about fairies having hurling matches and kind of like um, <laughs> basically recruiting someone lucky youth to play, you know, to play in gold for them uh, while they play some sort of rival fairy clan, this kind of stuff that happens all the time. There's loads of stories like that. But the message from that, and I think it's a really valuable one, particularly in the challenging few years that we've had and particularly with you know the vast kind of wasteland that is modern culture in, in a lot of ways is to live in joy to allow yourself that to allow yourself to laugh 
to to enjoy the beauty around you, you know, and to be exposed to the beauty around you, to allow that into your life is a really, really good thing. Certainly has been for me. Um, everything doesn't need absolute seriousness in it. You know, mm-hmm. you don't need that 24-7 in your life. You really don't. Like, make a decision to to live in joy, you know, to experience joy. And I think it's it's true that exposure, absorbing so many of the stories and looking at the behavior and traits, you know, and like fairies can be extremely difficult. You know, when challenged, they can be you know, well murderous, really. But there's also, again, the theme of joy, of dance, you know, of of celebration, of song, of poetry, of just joy in being alive and all the wonderful things that go with it and it's hard to do that in 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 times like these when when it's particularly dark you know when we have just horror upon horror unfolding on the world but i almost feel that it's more important to do so when that's happening and that's not saying you know put your head in the sand you know and and be unrealistic and and be be naive it's just make a point that getting getting joy out of where you can, mm-hmm. you know, like that was the point. I saw a dandelion today, you know, and I welcomed it. That was a little joyful exchange. Yeah. You know, and find those moments where you can. Like It's it's a good thing. It's a good thing to try and celebrate joy where you can. Yeah, I think what you're saying is something that what you're saying is something that I believe as well and i actually think quite frequently about it mm. and part of why i've really pulled back from sharing things on social media at all because people are often not always but often will see someone else's joy and just decide that it's them not living in the reality of the world mm. and then do whatever they can to like bring you quote unquote like back to earth like how yeah. dare you find joy on this day of being with your family while this X, Y, and Z is happening across the globe. It's like, well, I'm well aware of what's going on. So it's why I'm seeking joy today because it's the wise acceptance of, I literally can't solve the global world's problems right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's strange to think that one single person could. And therefore, Mm -hmm. if I'm going to live in this world, I am going to do so in a way that I try to be as happy as I can because it is hard. Yeah, one hundred percent. Life is life is tough. Life is really, really hard. You know, so find joy where you can and build those memories and hold on to them and laugh. You know, oh god, this, this is I'm starting to sound like that. Uh, what's that book? Eat joy, laugh or something. Eat joy, love. Eat joy, I'm, laugh. I'm, eat, pray, love. That's the one. Yeah, look, I'm I'm so old and middle aged. <laughs> Have you read that book? No, I haven't read that book. Okay. The plot's very different than I think what you're thinking. Is it? Oh, thank God it's for about, that. It's about someone who goes on like a self-discovery journey through like cooking across the world. Um. <laughs> I think I've uh, managed to stumble on quite a shitty metaphor for my... Uh... <laughs> That's my very That's small version of it. It's like a Julia Roberts. It's also a movie. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> no, I, I I hear what you're saying though. Um, it's it's you know I 
I've had to look at some small things in my life. Like it's part of me that's really holding on to this several years ago version of myself that thought mm. that they their that their body was capable of certain things and that they were going to do certain things with their life. And then years later, like regardless of the global situation, my my health has has changed and the way that I relate to exercise and activity and, and movement, which are extremely important to me, has had to change. And I'm just having to like solely accept now that I can't do a lot of the things that I used to, to the extent, not because I will never be able to again, but just like, that's not where I'm at right now. Yeah. And finding joy in like what I can do instead, mm-hmm. um, which sounds, this sounds like so simple and easy to understand, like as I'm talking, but you know, when you, you have these beliefs and things about yourself and having to, to let those go, um, and not have that, that ego attachment to like what, what you thought you were, um, it's, it's been really hard. I mean, for me, a lot of stuff around health and food. That's why talking to you is really interesting uh, to me and for many reasons. But you you care so much about, you know, food and, and mental health and all of those things just by the way you talk, not necessarily yeah. like explicitly in conversation. Sure. But that's like what I've realized, like the focus of my life really needs to be. It needs to be local. It needs to be um, with care and with health and all of these things that I used to see very big picture all the time, but now I'm having to structure my days around like, okay, all of my joints hurt today. Now I have to change my day to take care of that. And that's not me doing nothing today. Now that's me responding to like what I need to do to take care of myself, which just changes all yeah. the time. No, that, that, that makes a lot of sense, you know, and, and like I see that living in joy and I believe what you're describing as that kind of recuperation, that giving your 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 body time to adjust and kind of rebuild it itself to the levels that it needs to be to 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 function. I I see that living in joy is very much a similar thing. That it's mm-hmm. it's giving oneself a break. You know, it, it's giving that a window that is not not under kind of external or internal pressure you know to to make those consciously make space for that in your life and it's it's only done me good it's it's only done me good it's only been something that has enhanced my life you know be that spending time with my children just kicking a ball back and forth or whatever it is they're 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 special things Make time for yourself in, in in a way that is fulfilling and nourishing. Yeah, I found when I've been cooking a lot more of my own food or just trying to make an effort to learn more. I've, I've had to cook my own food for a long time, but I, I've right. always kind of done it with resentment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm trying to like, oh, like I do love these things. I love lentil soup. I love, I'm really into soups yeah. right now. Oh, nice. Um, and, and that has brought me so much joy and I never thought that it would. But mm. eating soup the first bite of soup after you make it for like 40 minutes it's like damn this is a good soup even if it's not that great of a soup it's like i made this so i'm gonna enjoy it oh yeah that's been like it's been a total game changer for me the last couple of years like building that relationship with with slow food you know i mean i could argue there's a little bit too much of a relationship going on with my food (laughs) like the difference between like a soup out of a packet and a soup where you you know you've made the stock 
is just worlds apart. Just worlds apart. You know, and, and the nourishment is 10 times it. Yeah, packaged foods make it seem like you have to have so many wacky ingredients to make everything. Really In reality, don't. you do not. <laughs> not at all. Yeah, you really don't. It is... It's simple, and again, it's it's a it's a it's a joyous thing, you know. Completing an action, completing like some simple, meaningful task like that again that that to me brings me huge joy. Like I love I love making food for other people. It's good. It's good fun, you know. And and we we you know we strain all the time to talk about kind of well how do I center myself? How do I how do I find a place of peace there's a an unbelievable wave of anxiety out there and, and mental health issues you know i don't know anybody who's not been touched by this mm-hmm. and there's lots of things that you can do that don't involve you know an extensive meditation practice or taking up crossfit or you know or whatever it is just learn to cook some basic things you know, find whatever it is that that actually puts you into that space of focus on the task at hand and enjoying it and not really thinking about it, whatever that might be. We just don't do that. We spend our time just in so many areas, just talking complete bollocks. <laughs> like, uh, that's it. You know, it's like this, this just too much. Look at me, look at me, look at me people picking fights with each other and it's it's a waste of time the waste of everybody's time in that area yeah i don't even know the point i'm making with that. (laughs) well i think about it too is that there's days where i'll wake up and i'll realize that i've slept 10 hours and it's like almost noon and i'm like oh my god i'm so lazy i can't believe i did this blah 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 and then it's like well i did just do that and now i'm awake and what help am I doing to myself like now being angry that I got the rest my body said I needed because I clearly needed it totally so um I just had a really awesome 10 hours of sleep I should find some joy in that yeah I'm that's a and really just, good just get up <laughs> really good self-love thing to do you know like yeah. looking after yourself and that's the thing like when I'm when I, I I think about that in in a terms of lineage you know I think about my ancestors looking at me going look at him getting out of bed nine o'clock the man's a king (laughs) (laughs) haven't we done well look look at our descendants you know you know that mindset that that you've described there about like being again be being joyful and positive about i slept for 10 hours it's not like oh all the shit i could have done it's like that's the best thing i could have done you know recuperated my body balanced my mind good sleep I mean, Lord knows, as a middle-aged man, the idea of having a solid night's sleep is 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 like manna from heaven. Really <laughs> I mean, I, that's that's most middle-aged people now. You know, you you ask them, like, what would bring you true joy? What would you want more than anything else? To go to sleep instantaneously and wake up refreshed. That would be, that would be it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that would be a, a wonderful wonderful thing but um these are areas of focus and like you know you you learn that stuff you teach that to your your descendants give yourself time you know look after yourself uh, and your well-being it's it's one thing i'm in deep admiration of of, of um 
younger people. I'm gonna make it sound like I'm 78, but geez, <laughs> you know. But but the whole focus on well-being, I think, is great. I think it's it's really good. It's a really mm-hmm. positive thing. When I started in the workplace, you just that wasn't even a concept. You know, if if you worked late, you just had to work late. That was it. You know, yeah. it wasn't even a concept that your well-being might be affected by. Yeah, I'm lucky where I'm at right now. Like even yesterday, like I I woke up not feeling well, not like sick, sick, but just my body was just like not okay. And I was able just to like not go to my physical place of work and I just worked from home um, and no one was mad at me, which I feel like would not have been a thing 10 years ago. So, yeah, well, I mean, I mean, that's that's it's a, that's a great change and. And one thing I can, I can seriously uh, vouch for is that I, I've worked for some very large companies on on some prominent projects, and you can work late, miss your kids, you know, recital to get some stuff so the client will be happy or to get the deadline or whatever it is. And I look back on on like almost twenty five years of that stuff, and I can honestly say, none of it matters. I, I don't even remember the clients' names. Mm-hmm. You know, the projects went out. If they're like media projects, they don't really mean anything to anybody. People in, in, in the kind of in the advertising world, they talk about these things being like, you know, oh, the campaign really made a difference. It probably didn't, really. But you won't get your kids' recital back. So this is what I mean. Again, it's coming back to the whole point of of what's important to you. What matters to you? And really, really examine that. And be honest with yourself. Some things mightn't be important to you. Mm-hmm. I've had to look at some things and, and ask myself, like, okay, what even is it that I am so upset if I, if I don't do this anymore? Do I feel like I'm losing a piece of identity? Mm-hmm. Do I feel like there's some sense of prestige of like being associated with this thing? And then I've realized, wow, this whole task or thing I've been trying to do is like actually causing me so much pain Mm. and difficulty in my life that I could have space to do some of these other things that I want to have the time to do. Yeah. Um, So I hear what you're saying there. I I would argue as well that some people don't have the space to be discerning and they just got to get make ends meet, you know, and and I'm, Mm -hmm. I genuinely wish the best for anybody in those kind of circumstances, but it's a, that's a different scenario. Yeah. There's no choice. That's what I was talking area. about. With, yeah, like that's more about like resources and mm-hmm. all of those types yeah. of things, which mm-hmm. absolutely affect affect time. Resources. Oh. Um, <laughs> I, know, I know it's a big area. This yeah. is an area where like my partner doesn't let me speak about this in the, in the house. She's like, I don't want to hear any of this depressing shit, Dara. <laughs> well, then let me talk about my garden. <laughs> yeah. I have to be able to talk about something. Um. But, you know, where, where people can, I, I think that the future is local. I really do. Mm-hmm. And I think that in in digital spaces as well, that I don't think the future is in these kind of mega platforms in, in no. a lot of ways. I think um, groups are going to kind of um, break off probably into smaller, more niche interests. Because I think what we found over the kind of grand social media experiment over the last 10, 15 years is... When we're on display and we still have connections to people from almost all aspects and ages uh, and phases of our life, it doesn't work very well for us. No, we love conflict when that 
when that happens. Yeah, yeah. I think when there's too many of us get together, conflict happens. You know, mm-hmm. we end up kind of keeping to smaller groups with the shared interest. Um, and when those groups get too bigger, too big, that's what happens. You know, we, we, we turn on each other in a certain ways. You weirdly see that on, um, ironically enough, reality shows when people try to make alliances too big and suddenly yeah. there's just literally too many people who all have different walks of life experience and beliefs. And of course, you can't control that. Mm-hmm. So it's people get mad. Nature. Yeah, yeah, it's just human nature. I I had this question written down since like the beginning of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure that I come back to it because bees have come up so much in my life lately. Oh, yeah. Uh, my One of my friends bought a painting by Laura Tempest-Sackroff of a, of a bee woman at a market the other night. And then I just keep seeing bees come up. And then you mentioned you mentioned to me recently that you've started beekeeping and you brought it up yeah. now. Uh, do you have you thought much at all about Melissa, like the Greek goddess or um, or breed and the connection with bees there? Not not hugely. It, it, it's mainly been the thing of, of like more stewardship as mm-hmm. well like i i saw a news article about maybe six seven maybe ten years ago and the news article uh, said because of the decline in bees you know, you know the whole thing with like spontaneous hive deaths mm-hmm. um hive collapse rather that scientists could um create uh, robotic bees to do the pollinating job i remember this i and i, and I remember just the the horror of the article you know and and kind of saying well you know the article is kind of well it's not a clever solution it's like no it's not a clever solution it's an absolutely shit solution you know stop contributing to killing bees that would be that's the optimum solution here you know and so i remember just being horrified by the mindset that would kind of propagate a solution to this problem you know a problem that's being created by pesticides I've just been disgusted by it, really, you know. And that changed the focus of a lot of my uh, career choice, you know, for the last kind of um, 10 years. I literally changed my career. It was just kind of, um, it it just disgusted me so much. But that is fundamentally, it's about, well, what choices do I make that can support, just support other uh, beings having a better life around me? I get to have lots of cool honey and um, beeswax and royal jelly mm-hmm. and probably get stung a couple of hundred times. I actually bought a little um, sting stinger extraction thing today um, on the basis that I'm expecting to get um, turned into a pincushion by my bees. <laughs> um, but, but, but yeah, no, I think most of it is is a reaction to what I just see as a kind of a, a, a terrible injustice against, yeah. you know, um, living things. That's the fundamental driver but i you know i know when i have my like my again my my first taste of the honey that has come out of the hive will be a wonderful transformative experience it'll be absolutely amazing just like my salads are getting close to to being ready first ones um out of the spring plants that's amazing that's a lovely thing it's a really lovely thing to sit down and have kind of your your your, your first meal of the year that's predominantly out of your garden. That's not to say you can't grow winter greens, like land cress can go through the winter, you know, um, when I've been eating that for ages. Like, but that's just the, the, the new season stuff is is just a, it's a lovely thing, really nice thing. Equally, I see the bees in that same light. This is something we've co-created, we've made together. 
that that's where that's where the the kind of the, a lot of the meaning comes for me. I'm sure I'll start hearing the spirit of honey at some stage. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a huge association between bees and dreams. So yeah. I'm just waiting yeah. for you to show up in my inbox and be like, man, I've had the most insane bee <laughs> dream. And then they just, they begin. Yeah. Um, and suddenly you literally have a hive mind. <laughs> You'll just be, Daryl will just be walking around in the garden with a swarm of bees around his head. You can't even see his face. And he's just. <laughs> like one of those dudes, you know, those, those dudes from like county fairs with like a massive bee beard. Yes. Yeah. That'd be a yes. strong look. <laughs> stroll up to my local pub are you doing a top bar hive or um i don't know what the other one's called the top bar ones where you like you can lift it up and the honeycomb's like on, down on a, on a frame yeah, yeah right yeah um the, the ones I'm, i've got is kind of like a british standard so um it's got a brood box which is the bottom box where the the queen will be and um she'll uh, lay all her eggs and they'll turn into bees. And then the top box is the two supers. And the supers are the areas where the queen bee won't be able to get up to, to lay her eggs. And that's where all the, the honey will be. So that's that's the plan. I've got a, there's a, 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 an elderly chap down the road who's teaching me, which is which is cool. And that, that's, you know, that's why we talk about the future is local. That's That's the thing as well. You know, it's like get to know people around you, you know, stay off Reddit. <laughs> go and find the local beekeeper ask him about it you know ask them about it that's a cool thing but i have you laugh at this there's two crows that live in my garden now they perch there kind of you know make me think about odin a lot two crows just staring in my window no no <laughs> <laughs> um and that's it like i, I you know you start to recognize couple of creatures i have a little blackbird that is absolutely fearless in my garden is wrecking the joint actually to be honest oh no up seedlings but again it's, it's that you know the observance you start to know the patterns you start to know, to know the actual individual animals and birds in in, in the garden it just changes your mindset and yeah. when you get that close you you will start to have mystical experiences i i I mean, I, I say that very bombastically and, and assuredly, and obviously that's not a universal, but I'd be amazed if you didn't. I remember when spring, it was the the day of the equinox here. Yeah. And I, I came home and it was dark out mm -hmm. and it's again, completely dark. I'm walking up to my front door and I just hear like a little rustle in the bushes mm. and I turn and look and there's a little bunny with a little cottontail, like a oh, baby bunny. Cause that's yeah. how, you know, at least where I live, um, we kind of get first spring and then winter comes back for a few weeks and then second spring. But this was first spring and I was like, the bunnies are born <laughs> and they're running around and I'm seeing one in the middle of the night. Yeah, that's cute. That's really yeah. cute. I love them. Yeah lambs are a big one here as well you know Aww. like um i challenge anybody to find a more joyous sight of watching a lamb spring about a field like, <laughs> it is a truly truly beautiful thing and like around where i live is 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 sheep country and then um, just there's loads of them around now little lambs just boing boinging around fields looking charming and cute like you know in bulk mm -hmm. like so that's there's theories around that um, 
the root of the word embulk being embulig, which means in stomach. Mm. And that it's got to do with the time of the year when the the ewes were pregnant with lambs. And that that meant food, it meant bounty, you know, in terms of uh, ewes milk and indeed lamb uh, as well. So that a lot of our, our, our kind of significant pagan festivals that mark the wheel of the year where are tied to moments of of farming, moments of of um, sustenance, you know, which meant the difference between life or death, you know, like uh, and that that's really where I think this all comes from. And I think if we, if, you know, if we probably pull the thread of like our whole conversation, you know, this evening is that we are fundamentally as a species in a relationship with our environment. And we have uh, a, a role of stewardship and one that is equally nourishing the land, nourishing the animals there and being nourished by them. You know, we have that relationship and the more and more removed from that we've gotten, the more and more destructive we've gotten, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and that seems to be an absolute universal path. It doesn't matter what society, the more people have got detached from their relationship with the land, be that a hunter-gatherer relationship, be that an agrarian relationship, the more destructive they have become. And I think we're we're in the latest wave of that now because we're creating an entirely new environment. And again, like, you know, I, I, I always do this. I always shit on digital stuff and I don't, I it does a lot of really great stuff like what we're doing now. You know, it's educated me in hugely brilliant ways. As long as you maintain, you have an aperture into that world, that it isn't your immersive world. You know, you know, do you ever see those, you know, those glass boxes where doctors can put their hands into these gloves and then do some sort of sensitive operation or some description, yeah. but it's enclosed in a box. That's how I see using a lot of digital things. You know, I, I put my hand into that like weird glove through the aperture and I'm able to do what I want to do. And then I come out. I do not let myself be absorbed into it because that, that maintains that distance. And it's, mm-hmm. that's what I that's what I need. Again, I'm not saying that for everybody, but it's it's that's how I have time to do all the other stuff that I want to do. Have you seen the video uh, speaking of technology, um, of the man playing the saxophone and all of the cows in the field come running to him. I have to, I have. It's wicked. Good. So, like, that's you in, like, five years. <laughs> with your bee beard. Yeah, 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 totally. Play my uh, alto sax. You're going to become, like, a local lore for the kids. You're be like, there's a man with a beard of bees who plays the saxophone for the cows. They call him the bee whisperer. Yes. He speaks to the cows. <laughs> One thing I did enjoy is um, is is um, basically telling my children tall tales and that we're going to have to uh, name each bee. There's going to be, um, you know, between four to 10,000 bees. So... Uh, You'll each have to come up with at least five thousand names. So there's like two stunned faces. <laughs> How would we know each bee by, by their personality? We have to make an effort to remember their names. So there's lots of opportunity to tell children uh, ludicrous things. 
yeah. <laughs> which um, I highly recommend. You know. Didn't they come up with some some possible names? I feel like you, you mentioned this to me. Maybe I'm making that up. No, I don't know. They they um, they called one of my chickens Chuck for some reason. <laughs> yeah, Chuck the chicken. No, they do all they do, they do lots of mad things. I, you know, I'm watching watching children grow up is 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 really interesting because you <laughs> you kind of see how much reality is totally in the point of view of the observer. You know, because because they will tell you with absolute conviction how they remember something that you know is an absolute construct and falsehood. <laughs> like, with absolute conviction. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, but when, when I was three, we went here. It's like, you've never, none of us have been there. Nobody's been there. <laughs> yeah, you saw this on YouTube one time when we were slack and let you watch it. It's an interesting reflection to think about, kind of, again, well, how much do we do that? You know, we again we think as adults that we're we're kind of we're in total control of our of our of our, um, our cognition and our perception, and we're really not. You know, there's there's so much stuff going on that is very very much in the subconscious, and again as we were saying earlier, that's entirely reactive. Yeah, it, it, it's real food for thought. It's 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 a wonderful thing to watch. I saw something horrendous on a news headline recently that was about how advertisers are trying to figure out how to influence our dreams. I mean, those people should be shot into the sun. <laughs> they really, I mean, like, what, oh my God, that's what you want to do. How can we, how can we monetize people's dreams? It's like, well, you've done that already in our waking world. Mm-hmm. Can you leave our unconscious world alone? You know, I mean, that that's, that's a dreadful proposition. Oh, like, like chills. Like, yeah. ugh, gross. Yeah, it's exactly it. It's gross. Yeah, that was that was for me with the robotic bees. Just gross. Mm-hmm. You know, fucking weirdos. <laughs> I like think too much about how like birds that are flying by me could be robots, which is like a conspiracy that I don't ascribe to. But I also just am aware that that's like not not possible. Yeah. fake birds there's fake trees i don't know if you have this in the uk but we have fake trees that are satellite dishes no wonder people mm. do not trust anything because you mm. can't you when you can't you really can't trust anything it's very true. yeah yeah it's very true this is why i'm glad i don't spend enough time online <laughs> <laughs> yeah i do have a a fun question this might be this might be anxiety inducing for you but it'll be a positive question to end on here um, top five plants you've gardened that you've built a positive relationship Ooh. with five specifically. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, do they have to be in order or can I just be? Any- no, no, no. I don't, this is no ranking system. I st- try to stop asking people favorites cause that's not useful. So chilies are definitely in there. Okay. Cause I ferment those bad boys. And uh, make my own hot chili sauce. Um, lovely, probiotic, good for the gut. Highly, highly addictive. <laughs> we go through bottles of the stuff that we make here. I call it Dublin Devil. My own hot. Well, it's exploded a few times that I've said. <laughs> Gardening is dangerous, yeah. there. Some high octane stuff here. I have a couple of bottles of kombucha go pop on me a few times Ooh. as well. Yeah, chili's definitely in the mix because just they they give so much. They're such wonderful, wonderful fruit. Um, parsley, mm. just awesome. 
and it's just a foundation of so many good meals and good stocks comfy um because i just drink loads of tea with it so um, good yeah brilliant that's a good uh compress for uh bone you know it's called bone knit for a reason really yeah that's really cool um spring onions or scallions because they're just so versatile i eat so many of them the last one it's probably tomatoes a big beef steak tomato i love it just just a really nice fleshy one just full of taste and just warm by the sun oh my god i'm salivating just thinking about it see i don't love tomatoes but i appreciate the big ones more yeah. than the little ones yeah. so i can i can get behind that the, the thing is though I, I grew up in ireland right and just i don't know where the hell our tomatoes came from but gee, they're just kind of just balls of red just balls of gloop you know that weren't tasty at all and when i had my when i remember being in italy and a seeing a variety of tomatoes I'd never seen before, and then tasting them, and I was just like, "What is this glorious? <laughs> this isn't like any tomato I've ever had before, <laughs> you know." And when you when you grow these gloriously beautiful, tasty things, you know, you get very little fruit from. It takes an awful lot to grow them, and all can go easily wrong. But the taste is so different. Pick them in the morning, you know, cause, because they basically plants release sugar uh, as an antifreeze. So when it's cool in the morning, you pick them, and they're they're a lot sweeter. I I like loads of them. It's very hard to pick five. Like I, I there's there's so many things that I I'm mean, like um herbs just generally herbs are incredible, you know. And I I only really started to get into using herbs in cooking and medicine, mm-hmm. um, in the last two years, and it's a total game changer. Like uh, it, it's just a total game changer. Have you made nettle lasagna yet? No, that sounds fantastic. You've gotta, you've gotta do it. You just lay the leaves on there like a sheet. Yeah, that sounds great. And I can talk about plants all day long. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you could too. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you, thank you so much for coming back on the show. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. My pleasure, my pleasure, Mona. Where can people find you? What do you do? I have no idea what Dara does. Yeah, does he do a podcast? I don't know. Yeah, I do a podcast called Spirit Box. I'm only on Instagram. If you Google Dara Mason, you'll find me, or Google Spirit Box podcast, you'll find me. If you go, if you find Google Dara Mason, you'll find my photography site for all my kind of travel and documentary work. And um, yeah, if you come on Spirit Box, have a listen to me. <laughs> if an hour and a half, you're like an hour and a half. Yeah, you know, you're all right. You're all right. <laughs> You're grand where you are. Yeah, that's that's it on Instagram. Just Google Darren Mason and um, you'll, you'll find me. Great. I'll make sure all that will be listed in the notes below for everyone listening here. If you'd like to go check out what Dara's doing. And if you are new to the show, you can find me at mothmana.com for information on readings and a gallery of my digital art. Instagram at mothmanatero. Twitter at manaalen. And... Again, thank you, Dara, for being here. It's always great to talk. My pleasure, mate. Talk soon.